Every day is an opportunity for you to learn something that sets your home improvement or home services business apart from the competition. Let's make today one of those days. This is a podcast for home improvement and home services marketing. This is Built By. You've got to be adaptable. You've got to find a way to accommodate an uncomfortable customer. If you're not getting the home advisor leads in the first five minutes, you shouldn't even do it. Hopefully we're eating their lunch while they're trying to get back up and running. Hey, what's up, y'all? Matt here with Hatch and another episode of Built By. I hope everything is going fantastic in your corner of the world on this Thursday, January 28th. We are two days removed from my birthday on the 26th. I'm recording this on the 27th, and I'm not going to lie, kind of hungover. It's interesting when you turn 31 in a pandemic, it feels like you turn 70 years old. Um, there's not much going out and partying. You just kind of stay home and drink a little too much bourbon. But I want to shift gears and talk about today's episode. Um, this is the first episode of the year where we're actually sitting down with somebody who's, um, you know, boots on the ground in the home improvement industry. I get the chance to speak with Ryan Shutt, who is a marketing director at Southwest Exteriors um, down in Texas. They do an amazing job um, with their marketing. What I think is most interesting about this episode is that Ryan also manages Southwest's Exteriors call center. We talk about how he manages his call center, um, some of the KPIs he uses um, to measure success, um, how he's intertwining marketing, what marketing channels he's seeing. Of course, this is a marketing podcast, so we go into marketing a little bit. And there's a ton of really, really good stuff we cover in here. Um, it doesn't matter if you're on the fence about call centers. It doesn't matter if it's not even on your roadmap for this year. Um, it's something to consider, and Ryan makes a couple good points. Um, he also convinces me about radio advertising, which I didn't think was possible, but um, he makes some good points there. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and kick this episode off. Um, again, this is Ryan Shutt with Southwest Exteriors. I hope you enjoy. Like every little boy growing up, man, I, I wanted to be in marketing when I grew up, right? So that was... Uh... <laughs> that or first base for the Kansas City Royals so I, cho I chose marketing so but no um kidding aside man it's just um so kind of by luck I mean I'll shorten the story but you know just ended up working you know kind of in a very large call center it was about a 300 seat call center um in Kansas City Missouri and you know just really ended up enjoying the call center piece of things as far as you know the strategy you know the um you know training is a constant must when it comes to call centers and I'd been there for about about three years and got a random phone call from a recruiter one day. Um, Home Depot had just acquired a bath and kitchen remodeling company in, in the Kansas City area. And they wanted to build a call center um, for their division in Kansas City. So they asked me to come over and um, do that for them. And so after some discussions, I decided to make that that change. And, you know, day one, you know, I went from a 300 seat call center to walk into an office that had three granite desks. Um, phones on each desk that, that all rang at the same time. You know, supporting four markets across the U.S. and you know, they they wanted to grow that you know significantly you know over the next couple of years. So um, it was a lot, man. Everything from bringing in you know a new phone system to you know bringing in a, an effective CRM to um, you know 
call scripts, call coaching. I mean, it was literally building all that from scratch, but also in an industry that I didn't fully understand. So, you know, luckily I had some great mentors that were able to kind of, you know, coach and, you know, help me better understand like, like what's important for a large call center versus a call center, you know, specialized in our industry as far as, you know, what needs to happen on every single phone call, what should that outcome actually look like. So that's kind of, you know, how I got into it. And then uh, a few months into that, um, our director of in-store kind of um, promoting. So we were a separate division from Home Depot and um, we were able to actually go promote in, in, in the stores that we were still Home Depot employees. And so that individual left and they asked if I wanted to take over the uh, in-store stuff as well as the call center. So I said, sure, why not? And so he got thrown into, um, you know, face-to-face, you know, basically event um, marketing. And from there, it kind of grew into more, you know, traditional, um, you know, actual direct response marketing. Um, after that, you know, um, back in the wonderful housing burst of 08, 09, um, they shut our division down <laughs> unexpectedly. Um, and I went to work for an ad agency after that that specialized in direct response marketing. And so kind of really cut my teeth and dove more to the marketing side of things as well. Interesting, man. Um, you have that unique background in that you started in a call center. So you started at kind of that apex of like once you actually get the lead, like setting the appointment and mm-hmm. you're right there talking to customers. So how did that shape your um I guess when you actually started getting into the marketing side of things, um, what did you take from that call center experience that you think helped kind of give you a, a broader swath of experience in the marketing yeah. side? So, I mean, that, I think you kind of just said it. I mean, I mean, the the call center piece is where everything starts. And I mean, and, and so often, you know, it's overlooked. Um, you know, guys that I talk to in the industry like, oh, man, you know, we, we need more phone calls. We need more leads. Yeah, but when you dive into it, they really have no idea how many phone calls they're getting. And, you know, in some cases, you know, once they do a deep dive, they, they find out they're missing 40% of their phone calls, which is just, you know, ridiculous. And, you know, there's, there's nobody that's whose sole responsibility is to take phone calls and convert those phone calls into, you know, sales opportunity for their home sales team. And, you know, once that's implemented, even if it's, even if it's one person, like it's a game changer, right? Because you, you have one person that's responsible for all of that. And, um, you know, there's just, there's so much slippage. And, if, you know, I mean... When you're spending, you know, eight, ten percent of your revenue on marketing, you know, it could be worth from a hundred thousand dollars to over a million dollars a year, and you're not capitalizing on every single phone call. I mean, marketing doesn't work. There's no way you can outwork, you know, slippage like that. I mean, it's just kind of the whole you, you can't outwork a bad diet, right? And so, <laughs> same thing. I mean, you know, you can spend all this money on marketing and generate all these leads, but if it's not going to be handled effectively on the front end. You know, you're throwing away your money. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm a big believer that the call center should always, you know, be a part of the marketing team. A lot of times in some companies I've seen a report to sales, stuff like that. But in my mind, call center is basically that front line, you know, for marketing. Yeah. Yeah. Call centers can help you cut down on cost per lead by, uh, you know, just connecting with those leads. Yeah. That's a great point. Um, I want to circle back to, you know, your, your start, you kind of jumped in the fire when you started with Home Depot. I mean, that, that's quite a start (laughs) managing a call center for them. Um, so you know, that journey from working with um, Home Depot and then um, transitioning to a company like you're with now, Southwest Exteriors, um, kind of a smaller boutique, higher ASP, not a boutique per se, but kind of the same methodology. Um, what What's that transition like for you? What did you take from Home Depot that you um, found working in your current role and vice versa? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's 
there's not a ton of difference, believe it or not. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's very simple. Um, and, and it's not my analogy, but you have, you know, the triangle of, of, of people process technology, right? And so, I mean, first and foremost, you, know, you got to have the right people in place on your team um, to ensure stuff works. I mean, you've got to have the right processes in place. So what happens when a phone call comes in? Um, you know, what's followed up on? How is it followed up on what's actually said? That's kind of your process piece. And then last is, is the technology, right? So, I mean, that's, um, you know, having an effective phone system that can handle, you know, call volume, um, having a system that can, you know, call people back, texting, you know, a platform like Cash. Like, like, how do you have that technology in place to truly maximize those opportunities? And for me, there's really no difference between, you know, a large organization and a smaller. I mean, the, probably the biggest difference is that, you know, when you're in a flatter organization, you know, i.e. not a Home Depot, um, decisions can be made much faster. It can be a lot more nimble. And you can have a greater impact on the bottom line by making, you know, small tweaks, you know, in a $90 billion organization, no one really cares if you're a, you know, $15 million division of, of $90 billion. They're not that important. Yeah, that's so you, so you're kind of measuring that, that greater impact. It feels like you, you can actually see progress on your yeah, side, right? Absolutely. You can. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Um, you know, when you think about call centers and maybe this is me personally, but I always think of like an outsourced to like call center farm in India, you know, there's like a thousand cubicles and is that, is that what it's like in home improvement with call centers? I mean, is it, is it more of a laid back kind of front office type vibe or um, how do you run your call centers? How, what does yeah. it look like? Uh, I've done both. Right. And, and so, you know, just from an outsourcing standpoint, I'm, I'm a firm believer, like you, you never outsource the core competency. And, you know, your call center should definitely be a core competency for, for you and the company. And, um, you know, so I'm a firm believer in keeping it in-house. Um, again, I, I ran the 300 seat call center where you're measuring everything from, you know, utilization to talk time, to average speed to answer, to abandon rates, you know, all these metrics. And while those are important to, you know, kind of keep a, a, a pulse on, um, having an environment like that can be much more um, draining you know, on your call center team. And so, um, you know, here at South Exteriors, we've got a team of five now, of five girls on the phone. And I mean, they're, they're family, man. It's, it's really cool to go back there and, you know, interact with them. Uh, they love their job. They really enjoy each other. I mean, it's, it's not without their problems, right? It's still a family. But um, just very much a, a laid back atmosphere, but also with a high focus on, on coaching. So uh, we made some changes this past year that really allowed our call center manager to do much more call coaching. Um, that's probably one of the, one of the key things is, you know, with a smaller team, you can do a lot more coaching, a lot more role playing and have a greater impact on someone's performance, you know, cause you're not managing a team of, you know, 30 or 40. Yeah. Interesting. Now do your call centers, um, you know, you, you think a call center, you think calling, right? Outbound dialing. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. do, do you guys handle, you know, other use cases, rehash, um, engaging yep. leads, customer experience, that sort of thing? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. So, um, this, this past year, we made a very conscious effort to, you know, kind of really back off that whole, um, you know, outbound, you know, the whole dialing for dollars, you know, methodology that, that, that I grew up with in the industry. Um, you know, people have shifted, you know, um, probably sometime during this, this conversation, I'll get a phone call from a 210 area code here in San Antonio. That's a spam call, right? So, so people are just so leery of answering phone calls nowadays and they, you know, they're, they're afraid they're going to be sold something. So to have that interaction, you know, via texting, I mean, we've moved almost all of our um, follow-up, all of our confirmations, you know, to texting. Um, so it's been a game changer for us. We have a much higher contact rate. We're converting these at a higher rate. Um, and so again, you know, people will respond to a text and say, Hey, this is, this is Ryan with South Exteriors. Just saw your web form. Would you prefer to, you know, communicate via text or can I call you? 
and it's, and it's half and half, right? So we, we still do a lot of calling, but it's a very warm call. People are shocked at how fast we, you know, text them back from the time they submit their web form. Um, so it's a long answer to, to your question, which is, I mean, for me, I think outbound dialing is really kind of a, an art form and, and skill of the past. Again, a lot of guys do it. A lot of guys still have great success with it, but for who we want to be as an organization and our brand, it's not, it's not who we want to be. Interesting. Now, have you, when you're onboarding, um, you know, call center reps, and I don't know if mm-hmm. you've onboarded anybody recently mm-hmm. with, since you've started texting, but um, what's the process like you're, you're transitioning from call scripts to texting scripts, right? Is, is it, is it another onboarding process? Do people seem to pick it up quicker? I know younger generations grew like me grew yeah. up with texting. Yeah. I would say that it's not any quicker. I mean, for us, it's, it's still the same methodology, right? So, so we, we still have the methodology we follow. We still have scripting we follow. And that scripting doesn't really change a ton in text versus, you know, phone calls. Um, you know, there are some longer runs, if you will, in our, in our verbal script that we've kind of chopped up and made them shorter, you know, in that texting process. You don't want to send somebody a 55-line text. They're just going to kind of, you know, opt out on you. So um, <laughs> we still use the same script, but we kind of break it up into – easier to digest portions if it's going to be, you know, via text. Interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. So when you first got to Southwest Exteriors, um, walk me through some of the things in, in place there already and what your game plan was when you got there and, and yeah. how you were going to grow it to be which, what it is today. Yeah. So, I mean, they had a great structure in place. I mean, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't incredibly broken. Um, I think one thing that was definitely, you know, an issue immediately is um, the team was really top heavy with a lot of um, a lot of managing a lot of stuff siloed as far as well this you know this person's responsibility is, is just running reports this person's responsibility is doing just this and so um you know in my desire to be incredibly popular you know unfortunately i did trim the staff down um you know quite quite a bit initially um and so but it, it was good it was healthy it, it made us much more effective um communication increased but you know the, the really the biggest thing that was missing from the team was you know understanding what success looked like like you know what what is our weekly goal like like how many appointments do we need to put on the board what's our what's our goal for issue rate what's our goal for demo rate um and, and really communicating the overall company goals to the team because if not they're just like some random cog in the wheel right they have no idea what they're what they're moving towards they have no goal they don't know what success looks like so when you talk to them about hey like what's a good day look like well i didn't get yelled at right okay well that's not a successful day right it's it's hey i set five appointments my demo rate yesterday was 85 percent you know, and it's really having them understand what success looks like. And so that's my biggest change is, is putting the mechanisms mechanisms in place to track success and be able to communicate back to the team like, hey, you had a great week because of X or, hey, last week was rough because of, of this. And so really putting those mechanisms in place to really track what success looks like for them. That's awesome. So are you doing these check-ins like periodically with the team and just making, it's kind of a culture check, right? Like making yeah, sure it, everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. So I have a call center manager, Heidi, who, who manages the team day to day. She's doing um, call coaching daily with, with her, with her team. And then um, during COVID, we actually did a daily um, check-in. And so, you know, cause we were all kind of dispersed working from home, stuff like that. So we did a daily check-in every day at three o'clock. Uh, we moved back to a weekly meeting now that we're back in the office. And so, um, you know, in that meeting, we talk about the week prior, we talk about kind of, you know, initiatives for the team and for the company, uh, what that looks like. And so, you know, we're, we're very open from a company standpoint, too. We talk about our profitability. Uh, we do profit sharing. So that's a super important thing for them to know. And so we, we, we dive into the weeds about what that looks like with them. That's awesome, man. Um, 
let's say, you know, there's a ton of companies out there that are kind of on the fence right now about, um, you know, you mentioned it earlier. It's it's worth it, like insourcing your call center, mm-hmm. basically having yep. your, that staff in place at your own company rather than yep. outsourcing. So, a company that's on the fence right now, um, what's the advice you would say? You know, you you just go for it, just try it out. What what's yeah. what do they need in place foundationally to get that going? Yeah. So, regarding the outsourcing thing, um, man, in this, and I know a couple guys that do it, so I, I apologize to them in advance, but don't outsource, <laughs> just, just don't do it. Um, the company I was at, you know, prior to coming over to Southwest, you know, there was a decision made to outsource the call center at one point, And it was, um, you know, catastrophic to, to say the least. Um, it was, you know, one of those things where it was done. And then we, you know, we, we had to pull it back in house almost immediately because, the impact was so great to the company and the long-term impact would have been, you know, just horrible for, for the company. So again, it goes back to what I said earlier, you never outsource core competency. Um, as far as setting something up, um, you know, if it starts off, if you're a smaller company, just, just start with one, right? Start with one person to where it's like, Hey, Matt, your one responsibility every single day is to answer the phone every time it rings. And when a web lead comes in, you call it or text it back within five minutes in the discussion, right? Start there assign the person and then from there you can start layering in like hey matt here's what you say on every phone call here's a script you know and start tracking that stuff but again just go out and go do right i don't want people to think like you have to have this huge master plan to implement a call center um just take the first step and, and assign that one person who's responsible for you know the leads coming in and they're your true lead setter awesome so in the the hierarchy per, person first people first make sure you have the right person doing yep. the job Yep. And then bring in the strategies yep. um, once they you know show some competency there and then bring in kind of the software to make their yep. job easier if you want to grow the team. Absolutely. That's, I mean, that's that's exactly the way to do it, man. Find the right person, you know, then you start later in the processes and then you go, hey, like what, what tools can we implement to make it easier? I mean, because again, from a texting standpoint, it's not ideal, but yeah, I mean, you could technically still text, you know, from a cell phone when you're, when you're starting mm-hmm. off, right? I mean, it, it's, it's, it still can be done. Um, it's not advised long-term, but I mean, again, it's just go out and go do and start those first steps of having somebody accountable and by whatever means necessary. And then you can start bringing in technology, you know, after that. Really cool. So this is a marketing podcast. So I got to ask you at least yeah. one marketing question. I know we're talking about call centers, but yeah. you made a good, a good point earlier. Like call centers and marketing is it's intertwined. hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah. So in terms of, you know, your marketing strategy, your approach to marketing, and obviously, you know, with that, that call center appointment setting, you have the data that shows this is what works for yep. us. Um, what are some channels that you're seeing right now success with? And um, what, what is your kind of um, like uh, ideology of a, of a perfect marketing? Well, no marketing campaign is perfect, but a right. rock solid marketing campaign. Yep. Yeah. So as far as like kind of my strategy is, is, is first and foremost is, you've got to understand and own your digital space, right? So making sure that your, you know, your web pages that are properly making sure all your, um, you know, Google My Business, all that stuff's claimed, right? So when people go to find you online, they can they can find you very effectively. If if your website and your digital presence is not um, in great order, then to go out and start doing any type of marketing, they're going to drive people to your website is a mess, right? And so that has to be a very, very sound piece because if people hear on the radio, if people see you on TV, if they get a print ad from you, there's a very, 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 very high likelihood they're going to hop online and they're going to they're going to research you first. It's just the world we live in now. And so that means, you know, putting a focus on, you know, getting great reviews, um, getting a lot of great reviews, asking every client for reviews and really building that presence. 
Um, and then from there, it's kind of layering in just additional strategies. Um, I'm still a very, very big fan of radio. Um, some of that's market dependent. So we still, um, we have a lot of success with radio. Um, we're venturing back into TV um, this year. Actually, next month, we're recording spots on Tuesday. Um, I think TV is still a great platform. And so there's a lot of traditional marketing stuff that people um, you know, tend to shy away from because it's you know costly. But when done right, it can still provide you a great base you know, for your marketing strategy. And we've also had a lot of success recently with social. Um, two years ago, I was very um, against social media. I never really understood how Facebook could be a good lead gen source for us. But um, for our flooring product that we sell, it, it's, it's it's almost one of our only lead sources for flooring and, and for, for that for that product. So social so is very, very good for us, but it has to be done done right and effective. But those are kind of really the three things. You know, we've um, just very candidly, we, we backed off obviously shows and events, not by our choice initially, but um, it's one of those things where we, we probably won't bring in, be bringing back shows and events in the near future. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned radio, I'm sure people brought up their like glows of garlic and yeah. crosses. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah. It's, a, it's still a viable part of any marketing strategy. And in fact, people yeah. have been kind of going away from it. And so I, I want to hone in on radio for a second. And, yeah. um, you know, what is your strategy there and, and how are you measuring success? Yeah, great question. So radio is a tough one from that standpoint, right? Because what we what we know is that when somebody's driving down the road and they hear your radio spot, they're probably not going to pull over on the side of the road and, and try to catch your, your, your phone number and, and call you back right then and there, right? And so um, there's a gentleman named Roy Williams. He has a, a Wizard Academy. It's kind of his, his deal, Wizard of Ads Academy. It's actually up in Austin, Texas. And so um, we've kind of used his methodology for radio for a lot of years, which is, you know, tell a good story on radio. Um, if, you listen, if you listen to our radio spots, there's there's no call to action really as far as um, a special offer. Um, we share stories about who we are as a company, uh, what our values are. Um, you know, obviously we, we tell them what we do, but it's more about what we're about. And so it's, it's, it's how you cut through, you know, the car spot of, you know, Sunday, 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 right? We're having a big sale, <laughs> come on down. Um, you know, cause, cause listeners really tune that out. And so when our spot comes on, it's, it, it has a, a much different tone. Um, it's our owner, Scott does them. It's a much softer spoken tone and, um, you know, it, it's, it's really funny. And so some people may, may view this as a bad thing, but we literally get phone calls on a regular basis of people thanking us for our radio spots. Um, you know, cause we'll do positive messages, stuff like that. And people are like, Hey, you know, I'm not not in the market for Windows right now, but thank you so much for your radio spot today. It really made me, you know, feel better about my day. And so, but th that that's the strategy, right? It, is is how do you get people to feel good about you, recognize who you are? So so when they enter, are they become in the market for Windows? They think of you first and feel best about you. Awesome. So it's more so, of like a branding play. Right? It is, man, and, and, and you know, the, the branding is the B word of marketing, right? As far as especially in our industry, right? Because you know, <laughs> it, it's it's all direct response. It's hey, you know, we run an ad, we expect as many phone calls in return. But if you were to pull every single one of our sales guys, and you said, hey, man, tomorrow we're going to take away radio, every single one of them would quit the next day because they hear day in and day out in the home, like, hey, we've heard you on the radio for years. I love your radio spots. They're they're awesome, um, and so. I mean, that's just kind of the approach is, is, is how do we become disruptive in, in a space that's so traditionally, you know, kind of just monotonous and, you know, just really, I mean, a lot of guys that say radio doesn't work, you know, and kind of, again, you know, pull out the garlic or whatever, they probably haven't, they probably haven't spent enough on radio for starters, or if they have, they haven't had a great schedule. And if they think they have, they've had all that in place, it's been, it's been the wrong creative, the wrong script. And so to have a, 
you know, a script writer and someone that really specializes in that is important too. Um, you know, I, I'm not a very creative marketer as far as um, designing ads or writing ads. And so we partner with somebody that helps us write those spots to be very effective. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's a funny story. Actually, the last company I worked for was uh, I was doing marketing for a printer um, copier company. Yep. And our main advertising, and this was the owner, loved doing radio ads. And we yep. won worst radio ads uh, five <laughs> years in a row in our city. Yeah. We had people calling us that were like, we're never going to buy from you. We can't stay in the ads. But yeah. again, it came down to sales reps would go into somebody's office and they'd be like, have you heard the ads? And they'd be like, yeah, we hate them. And they're yeah. like, good. Our service is better than the ads. Let me tell you about it. And it's a great foot in the door, like you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that's awesome. Um, Ryan, I'd love to wrap up. I know we're running against time here. But yeah. um, one thing I like doing at the end of the podcast is giving – um, you know, a last tip before we do. So a number one thing, a number one takeaway that you can give any marketing pro in the home improvement industry, flooring industry, um, remodeling yeah. industry, what, what is the number one thing that you would give, um, that's top of mind for you right now? Yeah, I, I would say, um, very, very simply is, is, is have a plan. Um, you know, it's, there's so many companies that go month to month that don't know, you know, where they're going, what, what, what the marketing plan looks like for that next month. Um, I'm a big Dave Ramsey guy. And, you know, one of his quotes is, you know, every dollar should have a name. Right. And so every month, like you should know what your marketing spend is and where those dollars are going. And then again, I know you asked for one, but the second thing is, that's also making sure you can track those results to make sure they're measurable. Um, you know, there's a famous quote of, you know, I know half my marketing is working. I just don't know which half like <laughs> that, that. That should never be the case. Right. I mean, you should know exactly what's working and what's not. And, you know, one thing that really allowed us to be successful last year during COVID is we had a plan, right? So, so we knew what levers we could pull and impact the business for the greater good. And we knew what levers we could also pull to drop stuff that wasn't nearly as effective and really get back to a place to where, you know, just, just our best lead sources were the only ones running. And it really forced us to evaluate quickly what we should and shouldn't be doing. And if we didn't have like a written plan of what that looks like, I mean, you, you can't make quick decisions that, you know, are, are critical to, you know, when a pandemic hits out of the blue, right? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, so, very shortly put, it's just have an effective plan, have a plan in place, then go execute on it, measure the results, and then you know tweak it thereafter. Awesome, that's great advice, um, Ryan. I want to close out here and give you um, you know just a, a minute or two to kind of plug um, you know if, if people want to connect with you on LinkedIn, you know plug yeah. Southwest Exteriors. I'd love to you know kind of share some links there. Yeah, so one thing with Southwest Exteriors, man, is is we always um, we've been the beneficiaries of a lot of great folks in the industry that have been willing to help us out. Um, you know, whether it's an email or a quick phone call um, for advice, I mean, I, I, we're always willing to help out. We have a lot of um, other companies, you know, in, in our flooring division, stuff like that, you know, people that are um, not competitors, but they, they come in to visit and want to see how we do things as far as culturally and, and business wise. And we're always open to that, man. We're, we're an open book. Um, you know, we feel there's a lot to be shared with both. And a lot of times in those visits, we gain more from the folks coming out than they actually gain from us. So it's definitely so much selfish too, in the sense that, you know, we're, we're willing to share what we're doing, what's working. Um, yeah, connect me on LinkedIn. I'd be happy to hop on a phone call. And uh, these are the conversations I love having, man. Awesome, Ryan. Well, thanks so much for uh, taking the time out of your day to join me. And uh, yeah. good luck to your uh, Chiefs and the upcoming yeah. Super Bowl. <laughs> absolutely, we were talking man. about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it should, should be a good game. Awesome, man.